And I awoke from this nap all of a sudden when I hear just this raging bugle. And it sounds like it's in my blind. It is so close, so loud, so startling. And so somehow I had the presence of mind, even though it startled me awake, to like stay still, to turn my head slowly. And there is a bull with five cows not even 10 yards behind me. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Eric, as usual, and uh, I'm in the process of lining up a few different guests to just get uh, a, a bunch of different stories from different perspectives, uh, guys who are not just me. But as I do that, I was scrolling through uh, the, the podcast so far and just looking at what we've covered, and somehow it uh, escaped me to include the story of my very first ever hunt. Uh, which is crazy, because that's a, a momentous occasion in any hunter's life, and, uh, and I haven't talked about it. So, uh, for those of you that uh, found the podcast through Late to the Game Outdoors, and if you've paid any attention to uh, what I'm doing over there, then you know that I uh, did not grow up hunting. I am what some call an adult-onset hunter, and uh, I married into a hunting family, which is just how I was suddenly dunked into this world uh, because my grandfather didn't hunt, my father didn't hunt. I had never in 19, 20 years of life been anywhere near it. And then I started dating the woman who is now my wife and met her family. And uh, that in and of itself is a, uh, is a story to tell, uh, but was just quite a culture shock. Um, to set the stage, or at least give you the, the bullet point version, uh, I come from a long line of marching band people, and they come from a long line of hardcore competitive athletes and football players. Uh, so already, as I met and started to fall for this young woman and started to uh, engage with her family, I felt so out of place. Like, I had nothing to contribute to any conversation. I was real skinny at this point in my life and just walking into this house where there's this just th this giant intimidating man uh, and he made a point of taking me into his den, which is of course where he kept all of his mounts from his years and years and lifetime of hunting. And uh, yes, on the one hand, it was hyper intimidating. And I'm pretty sure he knew that and that was part of what he was doing. Uh, on the other hand, it was super intriguing. Like, I, I had, again, never been near hunting. Uh, like my parents didn't even have friends who were hunters that I knew of. Uh, so this was really, other than like maybe walking into a camping store for Boy Scouts, where maybe at some point I would have, you know, seen a mount or something, uh, just never talked to anyone who was a hunter or talked about hunting in any real way. And I was so intrigued. Like, I was asking stupid questions. Like, uh, what's that one with antlers? Okay, well, what's that different one with antlers? Like, elk versus deer. Had no idea. Uh, but was just, uh, was intrigued by the process. 
So, uh, obviously my relationship with uh, that young lady grew. We got engaged, and the Christmas that we were engaged, we were going to be married that following May, uh, that Christmas I was at their house and we were exchanging some gifts and celebrating and whatever, and uh, I opened up this box from my father-in-law, and there was a, a camo shirt, and in the shirt pocket there was a, a tag folded up. Uh, which they had to explain to me what I was looking at because I, I knew it was some this is hunting related uh, but <laughs> I didn't know at all what I was seeing uh, so he explained that that is an archery cow elk tag and that we were gonna go elk hunting that September uh, so I was just super jacked I was so excited and also just instantly had this wave of I have no idea I don't know the first thing about what I'm supposed to do uh, so kind of over the course of that spring, that summer, he was doing what he could to get me like set up and ready to go. Uh, and he pulled his old PSE bow from like the mid nineties. And this is nothing against PSE. They make a fine bow, but archery technology has come a long way since, uh, you know, 25 years ago. Uh, and so he was working with that and, and trying to get me set up on that. And I was, again, so skinny, so weak, this massive football-playing family who could just pull, you know, uh, they, they don't, but I'm sure they could pull 90-pound bows, no problem. Uh, this thing, we probably spent 20 minutes just him dialing back limbs, then having me try to draw the bow, it being too hard, him dialing it back some more. Uh, so he just took the, the draw weight on this thing. We didn't have a scale or anything, but it was probably, like, just barely the legal limit to pull this back. And then I'm shooting these old aluminum arrows that are, you know, as thick as my pinky finger. And because the draw weight is so low, they're just like arcing like a football into the target. Uh, but he's trying to work with me on fundamentals and just even the, the principle of like, okay, line up your peep with your side and put the pin. And like, I had just never done anything like that. I had, I had been a, a gun guy. I had shot guns, but the, the sighting system on this bow is totally different. And uh, I remember him getting me kind of set up, and, and then we were heading, taking scouting trips, because uh, he's a, a big tree stand hunter, and he had kind of some, some key trees that were sort of marked and claimed as his. Uh, so on the way in to where his tree is, he had this spot where he thought would be a good place to build a brush blind for me to just sit. And so we, we were out there building that one day, and, and he gets flagging tape, and he's starting to flag off these different limbs or, or fence posts or just, just different like whatever he could find, he was trying to mark off distances for me. And so one piece of flagging tape meant 10 yards, two was 20, three was 30. And as he's marking this all off, I, I remember asking something about like, okay, well, what about, what about that? How far is that? Uh, and he, he just kind of looked at me and uh, was trying to be supportive, but said, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's outside of this 30 yard line, you probably better not shoot, uh, which for my ability at the time was so very true. That was great advice, uh, even though now 30 yards is my top pin. But uh, yeah, just trying to get me all set and, and fall finally came. The, the, the first morning arrived and I put on all my Walmart camo that I had purchased uh, and just some cheap old boots. And, and I know, I remember distinctly because I had to haul meat later in it, I was just using my black Jansport backpack from college. Like I just took the books out, 
put in some snacks and an old GPS that he gave me and just basic stuff. And we hiked out way before dawn because he likes to be sitting up in his tree, ready to go by first light. And he dropped me at my at my blind and just kind of basically said like, okay, well, these uh, typically he kind of pointed sort of to the the south uh, east and was like, typically the you'll see him kind of coming from this direction and and moving in through this draw. And uh, so just just be ready. And he walked off to his tree stand and I sat and I watched the sunrise and I heard some bugles around me, which was a new experience and exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Uh, But I just wasn't seeing anything. And as I'm sure uh, many a young hunter can relate to, uh, after a couple hours of sitting there and nothing happening and trying to stay warm, uh, the fact that we woke up at, you know, 3.30 that morning started to catch up with me and I was definitely doing the like head droop, falling asleep. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long I was out, but I definitely <laughs> just ended up sitting right there taking a nap. And I awoke from this nap all of a sudden when I hear just this raging bugle and it sounds like it's in my blind. It is so close, so loud, so startling. And so somehow I had the presence of mind, even though it startled me awake to like stay still, to turn my head slowly. And there was a bull with five cows, not even 10 yards behind me. Like those suckers can be some of the loudest animals and they can also be so, so sneaky. And this, these guys had walked in completely opposite direction of what my father-in-law had told me because at the time I didn't realize that you couldn't fully predict what animals are going to do. Uh, He told me they'd be in this direction, so I was just staring in that direction. I did not have my head on a swivel. I wasn't checking anywhere else. I was just staring in this one direction, and sure enough, they walked in behind me. So now they're right there, well within range, and uh, and they've come up against this barbed wire fence that was was right next to, uh, and, and they're just sort of like figuring out the situation. They haven't smelled me. They haven't really seen me because I'm going super slow, but I'm sitting here, my back to them, and I realize that in one slow, steady motion, I have to drop to my knees, uh, I have to retrieve an arrow from the quiver, knock that arrow, then draw, and then shoot. And, as you might imagine, as I try to do all of that as slowly and steadily and without spooking them as possible, I got down to one knee and turned about halfway from where I needed to be, and the jig was up. They, they jumped that fence and blew out and took off. And I was so pumped, just so excited. that I had never in my life had that close of an encounter with wild animals, and it was so amazing. So after a little while, my father-in-law comes to get me because he had we had sort of agreed, you know, about 10 a.m.-ish, if nothing had happened, he was going to climb out of his tree and head my way. And as he gets there, I just start just a mile a minute telling him the whole story. And as I get to the point about how I needed to turn and knock an arrow, he stopped me mid-sentence and said, you, you didn't have an arrow knocked? And I thought, no, I didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to. And he kindly asked, like, well, what, what did you think be ready meant? Like, I don't know, not be asleep, which I had also failed to do. Uh, so it was a, a lesson I've never forgotten. And now every time I'm stopped anywhere, eating lunch, sitting water, whatever, uh, there's always an arrow knocked. 
Hey guys, this is Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors and producer of Hunting Stories. And I wanted to thank Bun and Beanster for making this show possible. These guys are the real deal. Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a startup or running a side hustle like I am, they can help you with your branding, logo, easy to manage websites, and fresh creative ideas for your business. They can also help you look the part by helping you design those tricky one-off events. They deliver amazing printed goods, quality apparel, even signage. Truly a one-stop creative shop, and they stand by their work guaranteed. For free consultations and useful resources, go to bunandbeanster.com to check them out, or catch them on Instagram at bunandbeanster. Now back to the show. Anyway. We went uh, back and, and nothing much happened in that evening hunt. And the next day we went back and I was just, I, I was sure, like, okay, I got it. I'm sitting here. Arrow is knocked now, ready to roll. Uh, and of course, no encounter happened. And, uh, and I got a text a little ways into the morning that uh, a buddy of my father-in-law's, who was also in the same unit, uh, had the same tag, that he had just uh, shot a cow. And so we were going to go help him. So we walk on out there, and now I get the first ever experience of the whole process of how meat is made, uh, which was is weird, and especially when you've just never grown up with it. You know, at this point, I'm 21 years old. This is the first time I've seen this process happen. And uh, we start, like, cutting. I'm basically, like, holding a leg, and they kind of handed me a knife and let me just try to cut some skin back and... And at the time, like, I was sort of worried, like, am I going to be able to stomach this or handle this? Am I going to, like, break down with emotion? I, I don't know. Uh, and there was a moment where I remember, like, staring into the glassy black eye of this dead cow. Uh, and it hit me a little bit. Um, but I, you know, got over it, stopped staring into its eye. Um, and since then, as, as I've grown to appreciate this whole process, uh, it's not a big deal. Not that I'm callous to it. I, I There's whole pile of emotions when you kill an animal but uh but that first exposure is a little weird and so we we got it all cut up i put uh both sets of back straps into my jansport and we had about i think a two mile hike to get back to the trucks and uh man a jansport is not designed for even that amount of weight which is not a whole ton of weight uh but it was it was painful on the shoulders. It uh, made a mental note at that point, if I'm going to keep doing this, I need a real pack. Uh, anyway, that kind of killed the rest of the day. We just stayed back uh, celebrating, eating some fresh meat, all that stuff. So the third day, we wake up early as usual, uh, but we had predetermined. Uh, my father-in-law really wanted to make sure I got some, some more action than just that one encounter. Uh, so we decided to not just stick in our trees and our blinds, but to be a little more mobile and to try to stock in on these things. And we had a couple opportunities kind of near tanks and we would see a couple cows moving through the timber and try to stock in, try to set up. But again, I had a 30 yard maximum range and that, I mean, that's like trad bow stuff. That is super close for two guys to get to, uh, some pressured cow elk. And so we were just never able to connect, but the excitement of that whole weekend and the encounters we did have and just this whole thing of, of chasing wild animals in their environment, on their turf, uh, it was incredible and obviously hooked me in. And so if there's any kind of takeaway, uh, anything for hunters listening to, to go and do after this, it is to find a way to bring someone else in to the hunting world. 
that could be your own kids, which uh, mine are we're just starting to get into that based on ages. Uh, it could be friends or coworkers. I, I've had several people express an interest in either just kind of tagging along to see what it's all about or just, hey, I actually want to hunt and, uh, and I'm always willing to lend whatever gear I can to be a, an unofficial guide, but just take them out and, and see what I can do to put them on some animals or give them the experience. Uh, and, and I have kind of an, a, a goal in the back of my head that I, I want to take a new or prospective hunter out at least once a year. Like every year I want to take someone in the field who has never been, but is really interested in the idea. Uh, it, it's for that reason. I keep like when I upgrade a piece of gear, I almost always keep the old piece of gear. Uh, and it's not because I'm a hoarder, uh, as much as it may look like that. If you look in my gear closet, um, it's really designed for when I get that person, it's like, Hey, I really want to bow hunt, but we all know if you start with nothing and try to buy just the bare minimum to go bow hunting, it's going to set you back. Uh, and so that, that could be a, just a barrier that someone never crosses. So I would love to be the guy who's like, yeah, man, here, let's get this old bow set up for you. Here's, you know, just a, a few pieces of some stuff you need. Sure. They're going to have to go, you know, buy some clothes or, or a couple things, but, but if I can lower that barrier to entry, man, I want to do that. So if you're a hunter out there listening right now and you don't have someone obvious in your life, you know, a, a son or a daughter who's coming up of hunting age and is kind of interested in it, uh, find someone that you can take out hunting. Uh, I'm not saying you have to like be the weird guy at work who's asking everybody if they want to go hunting, but just be on the lookout for, for someone who seems to really show an interest or asks a lot of follow-up questions if you mention that, you know, you were out last week because you were on a hunt. Uh, find those people and, and extend the invite. And there's, I've found a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. I might do that. And, and, you know, we're all busy. We all have stuff. Uh, there's also that fear of failure. So maybe they don't uh, push real hard. Uh, follow up with them. Loop back after a couple weeks or, or when you're planning a trip. Like, hey, man, I'm, I'm actually planning to go on this thing. Do you, you want to tag along? Uh, just see what it's all about. Find some way to get somebody new into the mix. Uh, because, man, we, we, we've all heard the horror stories of hunter decline and all that stuff. And we need to, to do our part to try to bolster those numbers. But more than that, I think just as human beings, uh, if, if you hunt, you know that it's more than just meat. It's more than just time outdoors. Like there's something deeply profound that happens in our souls when we go hunting. And why wouldn't you want to share that with, with a buddy, with a coworker, with, with someone who, who wants to do it, but just, if you didn't grow up doing this, if you've never done this, there's so much you don't know. Like the, I still make mistakes all the time because I'm still figuring this out. But that first hunt, I, there's nothing I did right. Like I did everything wrong in that hunt. And if I didn't have someone kind of guiding me along, helping me improve, pointing me in the right direction, heck, even just like, hey, sit here. This is a good spot for a blind because these, by the way, are elk tracks. This is what it looks like. Like all that stuff that just becomes second nature to you as a hunter, newbies don't know. So find a way to share that and, and start to pour into a new hunter because if you can get someone else involved, man, now you have them uh, all all about hunting like the rest of us are and now you've got their kids, their in-laws, their 
buddies and coworkers. Like th- there's just that that web of influence that they have. That if you turn them loose in the world of hunting, there's that many more hunters. So I'm starting to ramble. The point is, take a newbie out sometime this year. You know, provided the coronavirus thing is over and you can safely be with people. And uh, man, let's not just like hoard our information and our passion for this and just share it with with our hunting buddies. Let's also be intentional to find ways to to find those people kind of on the outskirts who are interested. Uh, there's there's just a lot of of media and a lot more, I think, mainstream recognition of hunters that is coming through through various people like the the Steve Ranellas, even the the <laughs> Joe Rogans of the world, who have a huge platform and are making hunting, in particular bow hunting, a little more uh, socially normal, if you want to call it that. So thanks again for listening. Please uh, rate, comment, subscribe. It, it really helps the podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm about to get a, a bunch of different people to contribute some stories and get some uh, different perspectives on here. If you have an awesome hunting story you want to share, uh, let me know. Hit me up on the comments or on the website. Uh, we'll connect. We'll find a way to get that recorded. Because uh, really, I just want to share stories. And, and everyone has a different story, a different perspective, something crazy that happened to them. Uh, and, and we just want to share that. So thanks again, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.